Welcome to the Everyday Ironman podcast, where we talk to real athletes just like you and me that are working to complete an incredible goal. My name is Mike Bosch, and I'm excited to have with me today Ironman in training, Andy Manning. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me as a guest today. Now, I'm really excited to have have you on today because I believe we're going to get to talk to something with you today that maybe we haven't got to really dive into too deep with a lot of the guests so far. So we know that you are just now getting started on your Ironman journey, and we're definitely going to dive into that. But as I ask all of my guests, I'm going to ask you to give us a little bit of a level set understanding of where you are in life. And as always, what I mean by that, are you are you married? Do you work full time? Do you go to school full time? Just just so we can understand what your time constraints are. And then um, what was your athletic background growing up? Can you give that to us, Andy? Yeah, by all means. So I am married. My wife and I have one son. He's 18, getting ready to enlist in the Navy himself. And then um, my wife and I also have two older children that are out of the house. So they, uh, their time, time constraints with them are a little, little more relaxed. And we also have one dog. Uh, she is a six pound miniature dachshund toy chihuahua. Really? Yeah. She's a designer dog. Okay. Um, so you can like carry her around cause she's six pounds and yeah, really big ears. But then what we do have though, for little ones is I actually have, we have eight grandkids. Oh, wow. So uh, they'll, they'll keep us hopping. So while we're almost empty nesters, we definitely have weekends where we've got, got little ones running around. I'm going to say the oldest, if I remember right, oldest is 10 and our youngest, uh, two just turned two. Wow. So I have to say that this is obviously an audio podcast, but I can see you through the magic (laughs) of the internet. I would not have guessed that you were old enough to have grandkids. In fact, when you first said you had an 18-year-old son, I thought you said 18-month-old son. And that's what I, so I really I thought you had an infant and you were trying to ship him off to the navy that fast and I was like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah, so there's uh there's an age gap between uh, my wife and I and uh the two older two are from her previous marriage. Um, gotcha. But I'm just I'm just blessed to have them as kids and then the grandkids yeah. as well. Awesome. Um, Athletic background. If you were to ask my mom, I started swimming upon entry into the world. I probably started swim lessons somewhere in that four or five, you know, age group. I uh, started competitively swimming at age seven through the YMCA and uh, I don't remember now. It was called Inland Empire Swimming something. They were the governing body at the time. Um, and I swam all the way through high school. Uh, and then in high school, I also swam for this high school swim team and the YMCA. So I would do a morning practice with the Y and then an afternoon practice with the high school coach. Tried my hand at track, wasn't a big fan. Tried my hand at cross country, really wasn't a fan. So I think it's funny now that I'm training for these longer distance runs when mm-hmm. I was not interested in that at all. Got, got started into cycling. Actually, when I was around 16, I got my first mountain bike, hung out on the dirt for a lot of years. And then I also got uh, privileged to, I guess, because um, I didn't discuss kind of my work set. I work full time for Patrol and Reconnaissance Wing 10, which is kind of a mouthful to say, but we are the, we are the wing commander for the P8 squadrons that are up here in Woodby Island. And so there are sub hunters. Wow. Sub submarine hunters. Submarine hunters. Um, wow. The aircraft is built off of the 737 airframe from Boeing. Okay. Uh, and then I am also a Navy reservist. I've been with the Navy reserves for eight years now. Wow. Uh, and I'm a I'm a chief in the Navy. So typical two weeks a year, mm-hmm. or yeah, two weeks a year, one week in a month. We put our uniform on you know, get ourselves all cleaned up. Plus I've also deployed a few times as active duty and then I've deployed as a reservist as well. So it just depends on the mission. Thank you for your service, obviously. Thank you. But yeah. And then when I got into the Navy, um, on my second ship are, we had a couple of cyclists on board there and we would take our, our 
bikes with us. So we would deploy out to sea and then we would pull into different ports. And if our schedule allowed for it, we could take the bikes off and go for a ride and explore in those in those communities and the countries where we were at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where I, I kind of started thinking that maybe being on the road, vices and the mountain would be uh, a good place. So, and then uh, I want to say probably seven years ago, eight years ago is when I finally bought my first road bike. Wow. And then that led to bike rallies or bike rides like the Seattle to Portland ride, which is a 206 mile two day supported ride uh, put on by Cascade Bicycle Club over in Seattle. The ride around Mount Rainier in a day, which is 152 miles in 50 out in 15 hours. Mm-hmm. And you've got to climb three passes for about 9,700 feet in elevation. So oh. bring, bring your legs when you get ready to do the, the ramrod because it's a, it's a steep climb. The third yeah. climb doesn't even start until mile 104. Oh. And it's a six plus percent grade the entire time. <laughs> wow. So, so what's the, what's the descent on the other, uh, um, once you crest the top? So the descents were about even to what we ascended. So the three passes you'd, you'd climb for, um, it's like eight miles, three miles, and then a six or seven mile climb. And then your descents were roughly the same. So they're 6% up, 6% down. But when you got ready to come down the other side, you really appreciated the long coast and, Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of the relaxed, you could get down in that, into the drops and just kind of, yeah, probably, probably picking up some speed coming down the other side. And very appreciated too, because, um, your guests can't see, but I'm a, I'm a bigger athlete at 235 pounds. So lugging that up was also a blessing on the way back down. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you have probably, I'm going to say on the higher side of experience based on, I would say the average, right? You, you, you grew up swimming, right? Which is definitely a plus because while I have had some disagreements with a few guests <laughs> on the swimming <laughs> discipline, I still maintain that the majority of the uh, Ironman athletes don't come from a swimming background and enjoy that the least. But some people say I'm projecting and that's fine. <laughs> and then a little bit of uh, a little bit of track in high school and then, uh, cycling. So you, you were, you were really building the blocks to put yourself in position for this over a period of time. Yeah, I definitely have, um, that. And then, uh, through the course of working in the Navy, uh, while I was active duty, I got into weightlifting, um, which is where I kind of picked up the size and the, and the, just the muscle strength mm-hmm. uh, to power through things. And I, I think that's also helped out because I've I've been less injury prone as I've started training for for triathlons. Uh, my first triathlon ever was uh, last year over in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay, it was a sprint distance triathlon. I went in completely unprepared, but I was just like, "We're going to do this." <laughs> yeah, that's about that's about right for your sp- your first sprint distance. I don't think any of us know what to expect the very first time. Uh, it's, it's just get out there, learn a few things and then have a better plan for the second experience. (laughs) Right. Uh, I, I do have to say before we get too far away from it, I was really expecting you to tell me that you rode your bike on the aircraft carrier. (laughs) Was that not an option at any point? So the one deployment I did with the USS Nimitz, um, I was actually part of the um, air debt. I was attached to the VAQ squadron 135, which is the Black Ravens, and that's the electronic attack squadron. So we provided the, um, we provide an electronic cover and capability uh, while we fly missions. Okay without going into too great a detail because of what the aircraft does. But I did not get an option to take my bike with that. Uh, When I did have my bike, I was on board the USS Paul F. Foster, which was a Spruance class destroyer. Mm -hmm. She's now decommissioned. Well, decommissioned as far as a warship goes, but is now a test platform. So the ship itself is actually down in San Diego and used in in testing uh, Mm. for different environments. Gotcha. So, so besides the fact that it's a working 
airbase, right? This this uh, aircraft carrier. It's it's these are large ships. Now I don't know exactly how long they are, you know, front to back or whatever. And and there's you know airplanes and stuff. But did they let you do any sort of? I mean, biking obviously sounds like that would be super dangerous. Is there like a jogging track or? And the reason I ask that is. Uh, on a couple of cruises that I went on, you know, uh, cruise ships, they actually have a, a track on the very top and it's a little weird. I mean, the, the, the ship is not moving very fast at all, but for, and I don't understand the science behind it, but the higher you get up, the more wind there is, as you've probably experienced, and it was the most extreme example that I can that I've ever experienced of a headwind into a tailwind when you turned when you turned the corner. I mean, it, it almost it was almost like you I was running in quicksand, and all of a sudden somebody was pushing me from behind when I turned the corner to go the other direction. And I didn't know if you had the opportunity to experience anything like that on your aircraft carrier. So every once in a while, our flight ops would allow for. Uh, you know, running up on the flight deck. Um, and yes, definitely you can feel that uh, up there where the wind's right into your face with the direction of the ship and then against your back 100%. Uh, but flight ops usually kept the flight deck pretty occupied when we're in in that environment. But uh, in the hangar bay, so the way the carrier is obviously set up, you've got the island, which is where all the controls are sitting, where you got, mm-hmm. you know, the helms up there for driving the ship and you've got the air traffic controllers that are up there all up inside the tower. And then you've got the flight deck itself for the launching and recovery of aircrafts. And then you've got the hangar bay below. That's the next deck below. It's a bit like the parking garage. It's Yeah, it's a, it's a maintenance and parking garage, essentially, is what it is. And it is a full-functioning maintenance shop to every squadron, whether it's a fixed-wing aircraft or a, or a rotary blade. They've got all their maintenance guys down there, all the tools. So it's fully functioning in that regard. But off in one corner, there's usually a half dozen treadmills, a half dozen ellipticals, and maybe a few exercise bikes. And then in different spaces on the ship, we had um, some free weights and cable machines as well. And I got to tell you, using free weights on a rocking vessel is a Mm -hmm. very unique environment as well. Oh, yeah. You probably get that core workout in. You definitely get some core workout in there while you're like, let's get that back up. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So how long ago was it that you did your, you said last year that you did your sprint in Raleigh? Correct. Okay. So you did a sprint triathlon. So I'm, I'm guessing, and, and the thing with sprint triathlons, and I think probably every, everybody who has gone down the triathlon or the Ironman journey has done a sprint at some sort, but there's no, what I'm, what I'm learning is there's no regulation to the distances, right? There's, there can be, now the, the, the run seems to always be the a 5k that's pretty standard the swim can it be anywhere from a 250 yard up to a 500 yard could be a pool swim could be an open water swim and then the bike is anywhere from uh, you know it seems like a like a 17 mile to a 21 mile bike uh so talk me through talk me through yours so the triangle uh sprint was a 750 yard open water lake swim. And it was, uh, it was a triangle shape. So we swam out to a single buoy, put it on our, kept it on our right shoulder and then back in the bike course was 14 miles. And then it was a 5k. Uh, and then in August of 21, I went to Lake Lure, which is near Hendersonville, North Carolina. And that one's kind of in this little Valley. Lake Lure is probably one of the most beautiful lakes I swam in there in North Carolina. That one was the second one. That one was also a 750, but that was a square. So you did the, you had two buoys to go around and then you came out of the water at a boat launch, which was slippery and sharp edged all at the same time. I thought that was an absolutely fantastic way to exit the water because it was, you were slipping and then there were still sharp things to to be mindful of. Um, That bike course was, 15 and a half, 16 miles. And I love their description. They said it was slightly hilly. It was rolling hills the entire time. They never <laughs> find out anywhere. Um, and then again, another another 5K. So for your very, now you came from a swimming background. We've already established that. But a 750 yard open water swim 
for your first and second sprint triathlons. I mean, that's, that's not a layup. That's not an easy, uh, I, 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 I would not have attempted. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to whatever. I'm going to be totally transparent. I would have been terrified. I would not have attempted that for my first, uh, go round. Was it, was it fairly well, was there a lot of participants or was it a small group? So the triangle was a smaller group. There were about 600 participants in that one. But I was also told that COVID really brought the numbers down uh, for that particular event. Okay. Um, the, the two years prior, the triangle was boasting over 2,000 athletes. Wow. And then Lake Lure was, I honestly don't remember how many athletes, but Lake Lure was definitely more. There were more athletes in August uh, at Lake Lure than there were at the triangle. So my swim background is I was a sprinter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I typically did the hundred. Well, anything under a hundred, if we even got into those, the, the 50 or the hundred was where I really focused a lot of my time and energy. Every once in a while I get into the two hundreds. Um, but my coach always thought it was funny to throw me in the, into the 500 because I was definitely not a middle distance swimmer, but I, I could do an, I knew enough of doing a negative split mm-hmm. where I could, I could, go out a little harder on that first hundred, back it off for the second one, speed up for the third one, back off for the fourth. And then I could, you know, sprint into that, into that final 100, but I'm, I'm comfortable spatially in the water. And I think that's what gives me my, my advantage there. While I may not be the fastest, I am probably one of the most relaxed people in the water, whether you've got me in a lake, the ocean or a pool. Um, I just, I just know where my body is in relation to what's going on. Uh, and I, I honestly credit that to the volume of training that I've done when I was younger and continued even when I got into the Navy. I continued swimming several years into the Navy. Obviously, when you, you deploy and you're on a ship, you're, you're definitely not hitting the pool. But when we would come back home, we were in any kind of a workup cycle and you were the gym was available. We still hit the water um, and swim. And so it was just just someplace where I was always very comfortable. Gotcha. Yeah. I guess I, I, I guess the, the concept of, to me of swimming in high school, um, is so foreign because my, my town didn't have it. Um, I live in a little town. And so the thought of, I was, I was a sprinter and not really positioned for long distance swimming. It, it doesn't even factor into my equation. Anytime I hear someone say they <laughs> swam in high school, I'm like, Oh, you, you must be a, you can, you can swim five miles. I'm sure, I'm sure of it, right? That's just the thing my mind immediately goes to. So let me ask you this, cause I am learning, uh, I'm a horrible swimmer. First of all, we'll, we'll just reiterate that for anybody who hasn't already caught onto that part of the story. But what I've learned recently, and it's reinforced every time I go to the swimming pool is swimming is about form, right? St- reducing drag, resisting, resist, reducing resistance, whatever. But it's also about, especially in open water, it's about the shortest distance between two points is the straight line. How is your open water sighting? Has it transitioned from your high school days, which was, I'm sure you were just in the pool back, you know, 50, I don't know if it was a 50 yard pool, 50 meter pool or 25, but I can't even follow the line on the bottom of the pool. (laughs) So I, I zigzag all across the course uh, when I'm in open water, but how is, how is your open water siding? My open water siding is pretty good. I think the only time that I get a little, little flustered with the open water is if my contacts shift, like when I blink just right, my contact okay. will shift. Um, I can kind of lose sight and it gets a little blurry and then it'll, you, cause you know, you, that, that initial pick your head up. Yeah. You got to find what you were looking for and then it'll be in focus. So if I, if that happens, um, it'll, it'll slow me down a, a minute, but I think, yeah, I definitely can swim in a straight line when I'm on, when I'm in the pool, you know, my coach has pounded that into me where to keep my head position. And so I just got very used to, and we did a lot of circle swimming too. So we weren't in the, in the center of the pool. So the black line always had to stay on that shoulder. And so you just learned where you needed to be in that, in that lane. A couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of weeks ago, January timeframe, actually. Um, so I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. I was in uh, Hawaii for for some work for the reserves, and Ala Moana Beach, which is uh, the beach, I guess it'd be north of Waikiki Beach. They actually have a two thousand yard 
open water with buoys course set up really just off the, yeah just off the beach um and all of moana is really cool in the fact that all of the all of the bars and the restaurants and stuff are on waikiki and there's nothing really at all moana beach so you can see they've got the the high schools come out there and they've got those those big hawaiian um ocean going like canoes with the outriggers on them yeah. You can see the high school students in the afternoons, they're dragging those boats out there and they're training on that. Um, so that happens over there, but the beach is just a lot quieter. And I have a friend of mine that's stationed out there and he, I was looking on his Strava one day. I'm like, I, and I, I like hit text him or something on, I think I used Strava and I was like, you know, I really hate the fact that you get to swim in the ocean every day that you want, you know, while you're stationed out there in Hawaii. He's like, well, why don't you come on out? And so while I was out there, I managed to make it out for, for four swims. Um, but yeah, the only time I would lose sight of that buoy is if, well, one, if a paddleboarder got in my way, got to be careful for those guys. They are definitely out there. Those, those stand up paddleboarders. But uh, yeah. yeah, if my contact would shift a little bit, um, I could, I could lose sight of it, but I can usually find it. I'll just put my head back in, take mm-hmm. three or four more strokes, try and blink my contact back in and then look back up for it. Gotcha. Yeah. I, um, I wore contacts. Uh, the first couple of races that I did, but I was also super worried about them. I was worried about them drying out with my goggles. And so I ended up getting corrective goggles. How do you like those? I've never done that. I've worn glasses since I was in second grade. I love them. I, I do. And so I am, I'm actually, I'm both nearsighted and farsighted at the same time. It's a, it's a weird phenomenon, right? I can't see anything without my glasses on. I just see, I just see shapes, but, (laughs) but I can read my watch. And so what I have started doing now, I won't, I won't ride my bike without my glasses, but I've started running without my glasses. And so I'm training my body. So I wear my, um, my corrective lens goggles. So in the water, I can see great. I have great, uh, awareness. Like I, I can see that I'm off track, uh, you know, and off course, but I can see the buoy at least. Right. And so when I come out of the water, I, I, I wear my goggles for a little while until I know that I'm, I, I can navigate the rest of the way without my goggles on. Uh, and then I just take them off. When I get to my bike, I put my glasses on. I actually have a pair. They're actually safety glasses. So they're kind of, they're curved around my face and they hug on real tight. Yeah. And so I wear those on the, on the bike and then I just don't wear anything on the, on the run. Uh, if I remember to take them off, but I can run without my glasses. Yeah. I'd, I've never tried running without my glasses. I would probably trip. Um, yeah. As I'm long little, as I can see my watch, I'm good. <laughs> I'm a little clumsy when it comes to that. Yeah. My contacts seem to do pretty well. I've never had a problem with them drying out. And I mean, I can do like my, I was in the pool on Monday and it was a 3,300 yard training swim no problem at all. So I've always worn my contact. Well, I've worn contacts when I train, whether I was lifting, whether I was just cycling. And I mean, there's still days where I have my, I have prescription glasses for being out on the bike and they are the same thing. They're, they're curved to help kind of keep the wind out of your eyes. Yeah. They're, they're a tan color. So they deal better in the shadows when you're just out in the environment, mm-hmm. um, running or riding. So I do have those as backups. And I will say this too you're always worried that your glass, your goggles are going to come off in the water. Well, yeah. then if the goggle comes off in the water, you always run the risk of the contact coming out. So after my first triathlon in T1, I make sure I have a pair of glasses there and standby. They, yeah, you know, whatever the case, there is something there for me. Um, if in the advent that I, I lose a contact. Yeah. I think that, I think that was the other reason too, is my, my bike helmet has one of those magnetic uh, visors that has the 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 you know the tinted lens, yeah, and it, and it will not fit over my regular eyeglasses. But the curved the curved safety style glasses, though, it fits perfect. And so that was another reason I went that way. So so you're you're currently training because you had a thirty three hundred uh, <laughs> train this week. Which of the three disciplines? Because you're pretty well balanced, Andy. But which of the three disciplines is your favorite? It's a toss up between the swim and the bike. Okay. I mean, you could, you could flip a coin and depending on the day or the way the coin landed, I I could pick one or the other. Okay. Probably though, I'm, I'm still a big fan of the swim. I just, I'm, I'm most comfortable there. 
even though I know the race is definitely not, it, the race is not won or lost out of the swim. But uh, I think the biggest thing I have to worry about with the swim, though, is not going, not leading out too fast and then tapering off toward the end. That sprinter mentality in me of, of go fast because it's going to end quickly I, is the one thing that I am working pretty hard at, at doing right now with the, a lot of the training in the water. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you, I've been debating okay. on whether I was going to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you, what is your current swim pace? Between 136 and 140 on the 100. That's pretty fast. Yeah. I'm a tri-dot scriber. So I'm using, I'm using their, their program. So last Sunday or last week was my first assessment week. And you know, they do those, that time trial week. Yep. And so I got, I did the warm up for the, for the 400, 200, and I did a 555 on the 400 and a 239 on the 200. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for, for anybody out there who's not sure, if you go back and listen to Lauren LeBlanc, her episode, she really breaks down, uh, the TriDot training program. I'm also, um, I'm new to TriDot this year, so I'm still kind of navigating and learning, um, I, uh, my, my last round of assessments didn't go the way I wanted them to go, but it is what it is. Um, I actually swam today. I have a pair of, uh, form goggles. I don't know if you're familiar, but they have the heads up display yes. and I'm a big fan of data, but I think I have found I swim faster without them. So I went to the gym this morning. I, uh, did some really good stretching, uh, ran a 5k on the track. I actually did a, I did a, uh, a backwards, uh, indoor triathlon. Okay. So I, I did a 5k on the, on the treadmill and then I, I spun on the bike for 20 minutes. So it was, I didn't do the full distance. And then I swam 300 yards in the pool and my pace was 158. Well, the last time I swam with my form goggles, I was at a 208 and partially because I am just getting over COVID and I found that my conditioning was affected as much or more than anything. And it's taken me a little bit, of, a little while to get my lungs back to where I was um, yeah. before, if that makes any sense. Um, but I think not, not having that feedback sometimes is good. And I just swam. I just focused on my form, my technique. I wasn't thinking about what my pace was or anything like that. And it felt really good. But your times, uh, those are legit. They kind of shocked me uh, coming out of that assessment. I didn't think I was I was going to be able to hold the the pace. So I use a Garmin Forerunner nine thirty five. Okay. For my watch, and one of the things that I did like about the TriDot program or TriDot software is that you could upload the the bike and the run workout, and I yep. can upload it and then I can kind of follow along. Well, it doesn't do that with the swim, but I did remember a couple weeks ago that I was like, wait, you can go in and build the workout. And so on Sunday, I will actually build the workout, the two swim workouts that I have in there in the programming. Mm -hmm. And I will put those into the Garmin workout. And I have found that I'm not really watching my pace and I'm not worried about what the data is telling me at the, at the point. It's more about hit the lap button when you're supposed to. I got done with the 200 warm up, hit the lap button, 15 second rest. What's next? And because you can put those little notes in there, at least with the 935, yeah. I don't know if all the models do it. I'm sure the, I'm sure like the, the Phoenix models probably go even beyond this, but it gives you a little note section. And I've learned how to just kind of shorthand a couple of letters or maybe an acronym in there. And I mm -hmm. know that, oh, this is the drill or this is the, this is the one where I need to do the 616, you know. Yeah. Kicking versus breath. And so I've, I started adding those in there. Um, and then when I'm done, okay, hit stop, then go look at the data. But I, yeah, I absolutely love the data as well. It's when I don't have the heart rate monitor on, I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not going to record this time. Oh, I know. That's so funny. Cause I, I'll do the same thing when, when, when I don't have a piece of technology, it like throws my whole, my whole game off. But I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great tip, Andy. So whether you are using try it out like we are and it's pushing your information if you are using a garmin product and there's probably other products out there that do a similar deal but you can build a workout and that was something and i'm i'm five years into the sport i had no idea 
that that was possible. And so I have an older Garmin watch. I have a 920 XT and it will also. And so basically what that means, if you're listening and you're like, what are they talking about? So when you go out on a run for, as an example, and say you're supposed to do the first 10 minutes at a, a 9:35 pace, and then you're going to do uh, five minutes at a, you know, an eight 20 pace, and then you're going to do a 30 minute recovery. So the, your watch will tell you if you're going too fast or too slow based on the pace that your workout has set up. And, and if you, you can go in, like Andy said, and you can build that workout in uh, Garmin connect and then download that to your watch. And it, it tells you while you're going through your workout, if you're too fast, if you're too slow and you can do it for the run, you can do it for the bike. And then obviously you can do it for this, for the swim. Um, so that's a great, uh, that's a great tip there, Andy, um, that we haven't really talked about on the, on the podcast thus far. Now it works for Garmin, but it probably works for some of the other watches or software or polar or whatever that somebody yeah, else might be using. The polars, polar or uh, Wahoo. I think there's a couple others. Pulse is another one that I've heard of. I'm sure that the other companies all have a similar feature yeah. where you can go in there. And I mean, and, and there are some things where you can't put it into the Garmin. The the breath drills, um, yeah. the, the sinks. There, I mean, there's certain things in there that uh, okay, that's fine. Um, but I did try it a couple times where I have a little waterproof bag, and mm-hmm. I would put my phone in the, I would have to take it out of the case and put my phone in the bag and put it on the pool. And I'm always like, if you're supposed to rest for 15 seconds, but I'm over here farting around with trying to get the, the phone to work through this bag. Yeah, and I'm like, not really resting. This is, this is not working. I we're going back. We're just going to use the watch. And if I remember to do a couple of the drills, or if I forget, I'm just going to let them be I, the drills. Some of the drills aren't even distance based. It's your, just your ability to you know, control your breathing as you're, as you're exhaling continuously through, you know, or feeling that, that feeling of having no breath while you're under the water. Um, yeah, I don't like that feeling. So I, to help with that one, cause I think, I think that's one of the things where if you have a swimmer or, you know, a swimmer that's struggling with that comfort in the water, if you can practice the, a couple of those underwater drills where you're, you're holding your breath and you're using that oxygen out of that, out of your muscles and out of your system. And you get comfortable in that uncomfortable zone toward the end, your overall comfort level, because you now know, you know how your body's going to react. You know what it feels like. You also know that you can actually hold your breath for that extra two or three seconds. When you think you're all out of breath, there's yeah. still a little bit more in there for you to, to run with. And so the pool that I train at is not deep, so there's no option for doing any of the sinking drills. So mm. all I do is I just practice my gliding and hold my breath as long as I can as I just glide under the water. Gotcha. Um, and then I just naturally come up, finish exhaling at the surface while I'm not even moving. Mm-hmm. I get that uncomfortable, yep, there it is, and then take a breath and maybe finish the 25 or, or return to the wall. Yeah, that... that I- all of that does make sense. And mm-hmm. I think everybody has different things that they struggle with. So I, I have, um, an arrow fit. And I don't know if you know what that is, nope. but it's a, it's a respiratory training device that's designed to strengthen your diaphragm and help, uh, your body absorb or process CO2. And so basically it has, um, two, two restrictor valves. So there's an intake restrictor valve and an, and an ex- exterior restrictor valve. It syncs to my phone through Bluetooth and it gives you a series of drills. And the drill that I struggle with the most is the holding my breath when I fully exhaled. Now I can hold my breath when I inhale all day long, like record setter, right? But if I have to fully empty my lungs and hold my breath, I can't do it. Like I literally cannot do it. And I've found myself cheating because it will, if it knows if you breathe in through your mouth, cause it, it pulls it through the device. I'll breathe through my nose during that time period. The device thinks I'm doing the skill properly, but I'm just breathing through my nose. And I recognize that through this process, I'm literally only hurting myself. Like this is a, this is a, a, a definitely one of those, those occurrences where nobody else is hurt in this deal except for me. But it's definitely something that I recognize that I need to to improve upon. So 
I actually had a friend of mine. He would uh, do the the Calm, or I think it's an app called Calm, but they have breathing drills in there. And one of the drills that he found inside the Calm was you had to hold hold that breath after you had exhaled for two seconds. And that was all two seconds. Okay. But he found by doing it in that environment where he's sitting, he's calm, he's got the little music thing going on. He actually uh-huh. could do it because there was something distracting him, the music or the focus uh-huh. or whatever it was. I would focus on the little two second hold there. And he said that helped him. For me, I just, I also too, I've always found it interesting to how far can I go underwater holding my breath, knowing that I have to exhale a little bit each time, you know, yeah. incrementally exhale a little bit at each time because you don't, you can't hold all the air in your lung the entire time, you know, can I get to the wall? Can I, can I turn and go back part of the way? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Are you telling me that you can, you can go the full length of the pool holding your breath? Uh, yes, I can. I can do just a little over 25 yards right now. Cause I've got a wow. 25. Yard pool. Um, I can go the length and I can turn around and push off, but I'm, when I push off the wall, I'm immediately coming up. So and I'm probably coming up at the flag. So that puts you at about 30 yards. Uh-huh. Um, but there was a period of time where I could actually do 50 yards under the water, single breath. Holy cow. Good for you. Yeah. That's I'm- awesome. No wonder that's your favorite discipline. <laughs> <laughs> it would be mine too. If I could hold my breath for 25 yards. Okay. So we've established that. Running is the the discipline that you through process of elimination we've established that running is the discipline you like the the least. So I won't ask you that question. Which of the three disciplines do you spend the most time training for? Right now, actually, Tridot's got me pretty balanced between the bike and the run. Um, both of them are showing kind of lower overall ages and performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tuesdays is both a bike and a run for me, and then. Wednesdays is a run, Thursdays a bike, Fridays back in the pool, and then Saturdays are a bike run brick. Yeah. And then Sunday I'm running again. So I, yeah. I think they're they're focused on that one. Um I did do my first 5K last Sunday, 32 minutes. Um, but the one thing I did though different, I, I could have done it on the treadmill in the garage. But I hate staring at the garage door and I only do it at four o'clock in the morning when it's way too dangerous for me to be outside doing anything because I don't have I don't have the right reflective running gear. And the while the neighborhood I live in and the, the surrounding areas got sidewalks, there's mm-hmm. always stuff in the sidewalks. And so then you're always forced to kind of run out in the road. Yeah. And while we have decent street lights at corners, I can go two or three blocks, you know, with no street lights. And so uh, I have opted, I, I got a friend of mine sold me a, a treadmill that they weren't using. So I, I moved that into the garage, but for the 5k, because I knew it was going to be where I struggled the most, I actually went out to a local lake. Um, I knew there would be small amounts of elevation. I would have to deal with people. I would have to work with the environment. And so mm-hmm. I felt that, that going in for that assessment, I would rather do it in an environment more similar to the race environment then do it in a more controlled environment on the treadmill. Okay. But you put me on the bike and I would rather do the assessment on the bike on the trainer and yeah. control the environment mm-hmm. than go put me out on the road. Um, even though I'm super comfortable out on the road and I've got great roads around me to ride in and I, I've got several stretches where I can go five or six miles flat. There's no, there might be one crossroad and you could totally see if someone's coming to you because it's a completely flat farmland. So mm. you can see if there's traffic, you know, going to come up to the T intersection and, and you can, you can accommodate for that. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I, I elected to do my, uh, run assessment on a treadmill only because I felt like it would always be the same conditions. Uh, LA fitness is where I'd work out no matter what time of the year, the temperature is about the same. Now the humidity may fluctuate or whatever. Um, so I do the 1% grade. Uh, the, the, the thing about the treadmill running, in my opinion, is I'm in more control of my time because I just have to set the treadmill at the right speed and avoid being thrown off the back. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I was a little disappointed with my last uh, assessment yeah. because I actually, I felt like I could have ran it faster, but then I realized, well, I should have just made the treadmill 
I should have just bumped it up another couple of tenths of miles an hour. So I'll be better equipped for that uh, next time. I also do my bike assessments indoors on my, on my trainer. Same reason it's controlled environment. That way I can tell if my, um, my, my performance is in fact changing over time or is it the conditions in which I performed the assessment were different. And so that took effect, but whatever. So I think it's different for everybody. It's just, it's just what you're comfortable, what you're comfortable with. So you, you feel like right now your running and your biking is fairly well balanced as far as training load. They're pretty balanced. Um, obviously I would like to have a third day to swim, but, uh, I, I don't think that it's necessary. It's just me, no. me just yeah. wanting to be in the pool more. But yeah, you know, and I, I really did toss around the assessment um, for the treadmill for the run. Uh, but the lake that I I've got, it's a two point six mile loop. Is mm-hmm. is one loop there? But I, my wife could come out there with me, and she she could get on her mountain bike and ride while I was running, and so it provided another another avenue for her and I to kind of hang out while while sure. training um, because you know, as well as any of the, the listeners know without our families, without the support of our family, this sport could be immensely difficult. Oh yeah. Um, but sure. where that lake is located, I could probably run out there outside of if, if it snows, it would probably be the only time that I wouldn't, wouldn't run out there, yeah. but I could, I can repeat. I could go back out there to that lake and the only environmental change will happen will be that, you know, it'll get a little bit warmer as the year goes through, but our humidity yeah. stays pretty even. Um, so we don't, we don't have that spike. Um, and then too, I can always control that I'm, I'm running in the same direction. So I'm always doing the trail in a counterclockwise yeah. direction. So I felt that I'm, I can still replicate my environment pretty closely as I could, you know, yeah. by doing it on a treadmill by always going back out to that one, that one lake. Um, and, you know, go to church on Sunday, come home, have a little snack, you know, pack up, make sure you're not going to get a side ache while you're out there running. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's, and it's just beautiful to be outside too. I, I, I think gotcha. that's the other thing is I get tired of just staring at a garage door or, uh, I watch movies on my laptop right now. Cause I don't really have a, I don't have the garage set up for the, the trainer and the treadmill and gotcha. everything going on. And there's truck parts and welding benches and all this other stuff in the way in the garage. So it requires some organization. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and it is nice that you're able to, to go out there and enjoy it with your wife. Um, for, for sure. Cause you're absolutely right. Without the support of those that are in our lives, you know, whether it's whatever family, friends, whatever your dynamic is, if they're, if they're not at least aligned with what you're working towards and your time commitment, it can be a, it can be a real challenge, which actually segues into the next question that I was going to ask, which is how do you fit your training into your everyday life? So I'm a morning trainer. I love, and I, it started, it started when I started lifting weights, when I found that lifting weights in the morning set my day, just absolutely fantastic. So I usually will get up at four I do a little mobility yoga stretching, you know, first thing out of bed. And then for, because I also have the the Navy fitness uh, assessment that I have to do every year, or we're supposed to do it every twice a year, uh, but COVID's kind of changed some of that dynamic. And so we're doing them once a year right now to help spread out the length of time to get the assessments done, to keep everybody safe, to keep everybody healthy, but still meet those, those requirements um, for being okay. deployment ready. Um, I, I do the, the yoga or mobility stretching. And then I, I go in and I, I do a plank because we're assessed on our, our length, for, uh, holding the plank. Um, mm-hmm. and then we are also assessed on pushups. So then I do do pushups and then that kind of, that kind of sets that tone. And usually I'm, I'm done with that by four 30, grab a couple water bottles or whatever, walk out to the garage, which is usually about 40 degrees or below, because it's not insulated, plug in the laptop, go to Amazon Prime, find a movie, gotcha. um, and then hit the workout. So uh, I, I do that there. And then on the Tuesdays when I have the extra run, um, my office is is because it is military and we do have a, a culture of physical fitness. Um, they support even the civilian employees like myself uh, a couple days a week. So I will take my Tuesday lunch 
we have a gravel path on one side of the base that's uh, just a little over a 5K. It's like 3.4 miles uh, from start, and then you loop back and you come back to it. And then there's a there's a separate trail, but that one's got some pretty big elevation, and so I I don't play on that one just yet. But maybe maybe later on I can I can tackle well, the. We can work up to that one. Yeah. Saturdays and Sundays, again, it's, uh, well, Sundays, actually, I do usually try to do before church, but sometimes like the assessment uh, where I knew my wife could join me, we'll mm-hmm. schedule that one after church. Okay. And what about your, what about your swim? You said you had access to a 25 yard pool. Is it um, the YMCA, the local gym, the city pool? Local gym called Riverside and it opens at five in the morning. So I'm, I'm standing at the door at five in the morning. I usually am, I'm already I'm already in my swimsuit and I've just got like sweatpants and a sweatshirt on and, you know, just run in, throw my gear in the, in the locker, grab my, grab my swim bag with everything I need in it and head out. So I'm usually in the water by about five ten. You're not, you're not standing in the parking lot in your speedo no, for them a, to open up. <laughs> it's a touch brisk right now for that business. <laughs> right. I, mean, I wear jammers, but I don't even think those would become quite comfortable no. enough. No, for sure not. For sure not. That's funny. Okay, so so we haven't we haven't mentioned it on the podcast, but I do know that you are signed up for a seventy point three. I am signed up for the Maple Valley seventy point three in September here in Washington. So it's in September. So you've yep. got you've got what seven months before that race. Do you have anything planned between now and then? Or is that the race? Is that the next race that you're training for? So I've actually got my eye on two sprint triathlons. Uh, mm-hmm. One is called the Woodby Island Triathlon, uh, and that's in the and Woodby Island's the, a really large island here in Puget Sound. And down at the south end of the island, the they put on a, a triathlon there through the Parks and Rec Department. Okay, it's a 850 yard swim, a 19 mile bike ride, and a 5k. Uh, in a lake down there. Uh, and then there's also a, I don't know if it's a sanctioned Xterra triathlon, but the local Bellingham triathlon club, which is the town North of me, mm-hmm. they are putting on an off road triathlon. It's um, I, I don't remember the distances right off my top of my head, but because I like mountain biking and I was like, yeah. well, that'll be kind of a fun, but it'll be a lake swim, a mountain bike, cycle cross i i kind of have in my head where they're talking about there's some there's some good mountain bike trails and there's some cycle cross kind of environment so i have a uh, an old gary fisher hardtail mountain bike on 29s Uh it's a tank compared to any of the road bikes that are out there but i was like i'm doing the the two sprint triathlons more for me to practice my my transitions because Swimming in Washington is going to require me to be in a wetsuit, and I've never competed in a wetsuit before. Because okay. North Carolina, while wetsuits were legal at both races, I'm very comfortable in cool water, so I didn't worry about it. I just you're, wore the tri suit and went. You're going to be so fast in a wetsuit. <laughs> like, like you, you probably won't even get your hair wet in the swim. You're going to be so fast <laughs> <laughs> once you get that wetsuit on and you got the streamline and the buoyancy. Um, I, you know, that I think the, the off-road triathlon is something that I've actually done a fair amount of time looking at. I haven't found one that aligns with my schedule, but I would love to do an X, uh, an Xterra branded off-road triathlon, uh, because I'm super product loyal. I have a, an older Trek, uh, full suspension mountain bike that probably weighs like 50 pounds all, <laughs> all in. It's, it's on 26 inch tires. If that gives you any point of reference, how old it is. Right. Well, um, I've got one of those in my garage too. That's on 26s. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think it's going to make a difference. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just looking to get out there and have a good time and to quite honestly be able to say I did it if nothing else. And that was kind of where I looked at this off-road option. I was like, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to challenge me in a, in a couple different ways. And because I'm not out there worried about placing, even for age group or, or pot, I want to go have fun. I like mountain yeah. biking. I've always liked mountain biking, whether it was, whether it was cross country or I'm one of the crazy guys. I'm actually that adrenaline downhill junkie. 
sitting in my garage, I have, if you want to date yourself, I have a Kona Stinky 9 free ride downhill mountain bike. It's on 26s, uh, built in the early 2000s. Without any exaggeration, I think this bike weighs 43 pounds. Yeah. It's a monstrosity of, of a bike. I mean, you don't even bother pedaling it up a hill. You either walk it up a hill or you have something shuttle you to the top. You, wow. It, it's not geared for climbing at all. And the the front fork on that dang thing is probably eight and a half inches of travel. And uh-huh. the rear gets somewhere in between eight and a half and nine inches of travel. I mean, it's just wow. a huge bike. So the Woodby Island one's in July and then the off-road one's in August. And then the main the main triathlon, the 70.3 this year, uh, is in September. And so that gives me a little bit of time to, in between them, assess what I did good in the transition, assess what I did bad in the transition, maybe maybe work yeah. on, on one or two, you know, little things to, to try and speed those, those up. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the other, I think the other big event that I've got, uh, this year will be the Seattle to Portland ride. Um, and they're going to host that again this year. So it'll be the first time back since COVID 206 miles. And I'll do, I'll probably split it. Like I've done in the past. I'll do 140 miles on day one. And then the 66 or 67 miles, uh, depending on, depending on how they route us through Portland, mm-hmm. uh, we can, we can pick up an extra mile every once in a while. How does that work? Do you, do you camp overnight or do you, do you go home and come back to the original spot? Like how do you do those two day events? So we start off at the university of Washington, um, mm-hmm. and they have big rider trucks that are there and the rider trucks have signs for where their, their destination stops are. And I put a little two person tent, a change of clothes, a quick shower kit, a battery pack to charge up my, all my devices. And they drop that at a location. And so I usually, I like Castle Rock. It's a high school. Um, you pay the high school, it's 20 or $25. And then that gets you basically a, a rental spot out in the backyard in the, in the field. You can pop your tent mm-hmm. up, but you have hot showers, running toilets. They provide hot meals, both dinner and, and uh, breakfast the following morning. And then your bags go back on the rider truck Mm -hmm. and you finish your ride. And then when you get done, you use your bib number and they've got them all sectioned out in, in your, with your, uh, bib numbers. You go pick up your bike, you show your bag and your, and you can go take your bag. That Uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And then my wife meets me down there in Portland. So I think this year too, we're going to finally book the hotel. So we're not trying to drive back with everybody else. Because gotcha. there, there will be 8,000 tickets or 8,000 registrations for the, for the STP. So wow. it's a, it's a very big event. Wow. That's, that is super cool. So we've, we've talked about the fact that you've got a, a 40 pound, <laughs> uh, 20 year old downhill stump jumper mountain bike. Right. And those that are uh, familiar with my podcast know that I always like to hear about my guest's bike. And we haven't talked about your road bike. We've talked about the fact that you you ride your bike in the garage and your trainer, you're doing these two-day events and all that. So, Andy, what kind of bike are you riding? So, I have a 2021 Specialized Roubaix. Oh, you got a new bike. I did. Um uh, my previous road bike was a Raleigh Reveno 3.0. I rode it until I wore the bearings out, replaced the wheels and rode it some more. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking for something that was a little bit newer. Uh, and I really wanted disc brakes and there was no way to modify my bike to have disc brakes because up yeah. here I do ride in the weather up here in, in North of Seattle and we ride in the rain and we ride in the sleet and the wind. And so I really wanted the, the upgrade to the disc brakes. So it was by luck too. I was searching and searching and searching. I knew what I was kind of looking for. I wanted to specialize. I really liked the way the, the, the Roubaix was laid out equipment wise. And then the fact that it came with a slightly wider tire, but it gave me clearance for fenders. So I could ride it in the winter time up here as well. Okay. And then I found a bike shop one day and they're like, Justin and I, I called him and I'm like, here's my credit card number. I'm buying the bike. <laughs> Get it assembled. Let's go. <laughs> That's funny. And then uh, I think the most recent thing that I did for the bike though is I got a set of power pedals, which mm, yeah, the Tri Dot software having the power pedals definitely 
increases my awareness of what I'm actually producing. Um, yeah. And that was a little expensive, but a good investment, I think, overall. And I'll, I'm, I'm having fun with it right now. What, what brand or what kind of, what, what are your power pedals? What'd you get? The, what is it? They're called the, the Osmos. Okay. Ferrero. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I went with those. I found them in stock with on, on a website, power meter city, I think is the website. Okay. But they're, they're about $300 less than the Garmin. Yeah. Um, rallies, I think is the new one. Okay. And so I just kind of had to, I had to mind my budget a little bit. Uh, I gotcha. I, I'm well, mostly a Garmin user on a lot of my equipment, but yeah. these said that they were the ant plus, so they would communicate with everything. And uh-huh. I got to tell you, you follow their little instructions. They linked right up to my, to my edge. I have a Garmin edge for the bike computer. Uh-huh. Um, they linked right up to it. No problem. I can see all the stuff. If I go to the app on my phone for, for the Garmin connect and once they were zeroed and on, they've been phenomenal. Uh, the other reason I think I went with this one too, is that they are rechargeable versus the Garmin where you're replacing batteries mm-hmm. in this environment up here where water is obviously an issue. I liked the idea that everything was already sealed, just kind of, yeah. and they're projecting uh 50 hour use before you needed a recharge. Is that right? Yeah. So I was like, 50 hours is a lot of time. If you're only doing hour to an hour and a half training rides right now, I'm like, that's that's yeah. a sizable amount of use. So yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. went with those. I need to look at the battery uh, life on mine. I I actually did it such a risky thing. I'm a notorious cheapskate. I buy all of my stuff used. So I actually and and super product loyal. So I bought a set of used Vector three dual sided power meter pedals last year. And I paid more than I'm willing to admit, uh, <laughs> even though, even though I don't think my wife listens to the podcast, she might, I don't know. And so I don't want to be on record of saying how much these <laughs> things cost. And I have already replaced the batteries on them, but I am very happy that I upgraded to power pedals. And I really like the fact that because they're dual sided, I can see if I'm balanced or if I'm putting more effort into one pedal versus the other. So it really helps me make sure that I have a nice, uh, you know, a 5149 power distribution split. I don't think I'm ever at 50-50, but I'm pretty, pretty close. But having that information is super, is super cool. I don't know if you know this about the Garmin. Garmin puts a weight limit for the athlete's weight, max weight limit. And there's some kind of a safety feature in there. Well, it's a 200 and 220 or 225 pounds is the max athlete weight on the vector threes. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, and I'm, I, I was averaging anywhere from 250 to 235, like I am now. And the, the awesomeos were a 265 rider weight limit. I was like, woo, we're going with the big ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I guess it, I mean, it, it does make sense in a way because it's measuring the amount of deflection in the actual pedal itself. And so it does make sense to me to some degree that there would be a, a weight component, but I never thought about there being a weight, you know, a max, a max weight or anything like that. Huh? I don't know if it's a safety thing or if it's just a, a, a legal thing for Garmin. Yeah. You know, like I said, I, I did come with kind of a, a weightlifting and, and powerlifting strongman kind of yeah. background. And so I spent, I spent a number of years working at, you know, getting a 500 pound deadlift a 400 pound squat. So it's, Oh my goodness. I know my legs can produce power. It's whether or not I can effectively get the power from the pedal to the tire. Yeah. Uh, you've been super fun to, to hang out with. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm super jealous of your, of your swimming skills. I've given up. I've given up on getting any faster. Uh, I think I've come to that point in my, my triathlon journey where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to continue to swim. I'm going to continue to focus on my form. And I'm just going to resolve myself that I am a 155 to a 205 per 100 swimmer. And I'm going to focus my efforts on getting faster on the run. I think that's where my, my time is going to be best served uh, over the next year. But I am still jealous of the <laughs> of the 130s uh, to low 140s that you're putting down for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i hoping to, to spend more time getting this run down. Um, 
you know, a 32 minute 5k is a, a pretty slow pace. And I, I would put in a good effort. I mean, I got done with the, with the assessment and I could, I could feel it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I know from watching the, the event, I know from looking at the results, the wins are coming. If you're going to get a podium, if you're going to get a shot at, you know, worlds or anything like that, it's going to come down to your ability to actually hold that run and hold that pace. So, yeah, um, I'm going to stay focused with that. Keep, keep pushing hard on, on the run, get the, get the bike up a little bit better, you know, being in a, a distance where you're never worried about time. I never worried about going faster than 13, 15 miles an hour. It was like, whatever, I'm, I'm here to socialize and talk and meet people on the ride. And we had fun and that's, that's what the rides were about. And that's what I enjoyed about it. And, you know, I, that's why I'm going to still do the STP, even though it's definitely not in the training program to do a 206 mile bike ride, but the camaraderie aspect of what the STP is and the friends that I've made over the years of, of participating. Uh, I just don't, I'm not willing to give that up. Yeah. I think it, I think it is definitely, uh, super important that even during uh, a serious training block that you get in some, um, some activities that are, that are social and they're fun because if we stay focused so much on just training, 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 it's really going to defeat the purpose why a lot of us got into this sport. And while you said your 32 minute 5k is a slow pace, I don't know that I would say I would agree with you there. <laughs> you, I'm sure you, you, you feel like you have an opportunity to improve, but there's a lot of people, there's a lot of athletes out there that would, that, that would, that are working to get to a 32 minute 5k pace, as you know. And that's, that's the funny thing about the, everybody being at a different, a different place in life. You know, what, what there, there, there'll always be somebody that I look to that's just like you. I'm like, I wish I could swim as fast as you can swim, but there's five people behind me saying that they wish they could swim as fast as I, I can swim. Right. That's just, that's just how it goes. But you know, that, that's, uh, that's why we can always get better. Yeah, it's very, very true. And I think that's the one thing that I have found and come to love with the triathlon community. Um, it didn't, it didn't matter how fast or slow I was. It didn't matter how comfortable I was. Um, one of your guests earlier, um, episode 18, if we can, we can say her name, um, Miss Angie Jackson. Uh, yeah, I got, I got a chance to, to train with that entire Fayetteville area triathlon club. That is so cool. And just absolutely blessed to go out there and swim and train with them as well as, as cycle with them. And it didn't matter that I was the slowest guy in the group. Somebody would circle back to ride with me. Oh, wow. They, they, they keep that community alive and functioning healthy and yep. So all a 32 minute for me was slow and I know I've got room for improvement. I know that also if somebody came to me and said, well, I'm out of 42, well, let's train together. We yeah. both have room to grow. Right. And, and that's what I've really come to appreciate with, with the, the whole triathlon community, not just, not just the Fayetteville area one, you know, guys, they were kind of my introduction to it, but Phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal group, phenomenal community um, as a whole, whether we're talking on Facebook or we're, you know, liking a post on Instagram. Yeah. An- Angie is one of those personalities. And I obviously I got, I got to know her, or meet her through social media and, and she just has the most positive post. Like she tells it, she tells it real. She tells the good and the bad, but she's always got a smile on her face. She's always reframing the situation. She's determined. Like she is gonna be an Iron Man. Oh, uh, she's training for Maryland. Yeah, she's a huge inspiration. Yeah, she is. She's awesome. She's awesome. Well, man, uh, you know, I, 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 it's hard to imagine that the hour has gone by, but uh, our time is just about up. And so, at the end of the podcast, I always ask my guests, you know, if they have any last words of wisdom or encouragement that they can share. Since you're kind of just getting started in your journey, I thought I would change it up a little bit and ask, is there anything that you have learned that nobody had prepared you for? (laughs) No one prepared me for how weird your legs feel coming off the bike into T2. Oh, yeah. And going into those first two triathlons, going to that first one, I had never done a brick. Okay. I didn't know what it was. I would just go for a run one day or go for a bike ride one day. And so, yeah, 
Yeah. Here, be prepared for this very unique feeling as you jump off your bike and start running down the chute because you're going to have to focus on that that next motion and and yeah. getting that, uh getting that in there. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good one because even in training unless I do you know an hour plus on the bike if I do a, a bike and in in, straight into a run, I don't get that feeling. If I'm just, if I'm below an hour and a half, if I'm a, you know, if I'm an hour for sure, I don't beyond an hour and a half in training. Uh, then I, then I, then I get that feeling. But when you're training for a sprint, you don't train for an hour and a half bike ride, right? If you're going to take an hour and a half to, to ride this, the bike leg of the sprint, you got, you need to do some different training. Uh, I'm guessing <laughs> I'm not sure how to finish that sentence, but um, yeah, it's just not something that you do. So that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's definitely a weird feeling when you come off off having done that that very compact leg motion, and then you're trying to extend uh, your legs. That's definitely a little a little wobbly. That's a good one. Yep. And I'll definitely share that if I ever come across somebody else who's first time triathlon and be like, okay, let's practice this. Cause you're going to yeah. feel a little weird. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, man, I, I, uh, I appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. I wish you all the best, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Hozak, who uh, he was on my show a couple of weeks back. He lives up near you. He did Maple Valley last year. I can't remember if he's doing it. I think he's doing it again this coming year. Uh, I saw some pictures. looks really pretty. Uh, that time of year. After that episode, I actually looked him up on on Instagram because I'm on Instagram as well and started following him. Uh, he's another one, very inspiring. Very he's inspiring. Not afraid, he's not afraid to to say, "Hey, today's a bad day, and yep. I struggled to get here, or I'm finally making it back." So yeah, he, you know, I know the Instagram always kind of puts a shiny light on things, but still to be open enough to say when you've got a bad day or, or a good day, or you've had to struggle or, you know, in his case, fighting that autoimmune yeah, um, to just battle back every time it kicks up and flares. Uh, yeah. Huge inspiration. Um, and it was, it was your podcast that, that linked that up. Cool. Cool. Yeah. He, I, I, I like him. We stayed in, in fact, we were messaging, uh, yesterday. I've said it before. I have one of the coolest jobs. Like I've gotten the opportunity to meet so many cool people through this podcast that I just, I can't even, uh, believe it. And I, I would very much like to stay in touch, uh, with you too, as, as well there, Andy. Absolutely. Would, would love to, would like to do a, a post Maple Valley. Uh, oh, we'll have to put that on the calendar. I was going to say, we want to schedule that one and I'll go ahead and say it now. Let's, uh, if we can, if we can sync up post Maple Valley in September, cool. uh, come back and talk the training, talk what I learned. Yeah. What I liked what I didn't. So cool. I'll hold you to that. I, I hope so. Cool. All right, buddy. Well, you have a, uh, you have a good evening Thank and, you. uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Mike. You too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, advice that you would like to share, or would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, you can email everydayironmanpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow on Instagram at everydayironmanpodcast. Until next time, keep moving forward.